And welcome to another fabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans come together to have a rocking good time talking about all the soundtracks to your favorite movies. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your co-host for this evening. Uh, here with me tonight is my uh, lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. <laughs> Libby, what is shaking? Oh, it is good to be here tonight. So uh, thanks for, for joining us. This is our 10th episode. Can you believe it? I cannot believe we've managed to do this for 10 episodes. I know. But it's it's, it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we've had a great time talking about some talking about some soundtracks, discovering some new movies that we may or may or may not have actually enjoyed. Um uh, <laughs> realizing like the I, movies we loved were terrible, reaffirming our love for trash that we've always enjoyed. Uh, but yes, uh, this is our 10th episode. We are so excited to be still doing this for some reason. Uh, so we thought once again, <laughs> uh, it, this is our second sort of fifth, our second fifth episode. So we thought, let's let's do a top 10 list. So 10 songs for episode 10. Uh, I mean, what better uh, film series to do a top 10 list of uh, than the James Bond series? So many, so many good songs. Uh, it was actually, I don't know about you, but it was hard for me to pick. Uh, we're each going to do five. It was difficult for me to to just pick five yeah i mean at a certain point you are just kind of picking from i mean there's the obvious standouts but then at a certain point you have to fill out the list so some of our choices may seem a little inscrutable but that's just because there's a lot of james bond songs out there yeah we guarantee a couple of your favorites will be left off here we're sorry it's just the nature of the beast make your own podcast uh but before we get into james bond libby we have some unfinished business from our last episode how did the poll shake out last week the repo man poll was one of our most popular of course after top gun everybody loves top gun but um with 32 votes total uh tv party took 50 percent of the vote um so we didn't put institutionalized on here uh specifically because we thought Let's go with a few a few deeper cuts. Uh, but TV Party won out overall with 25% of the vote. Pablo Picasso with 9% of the vote. Hombre Secreto. Uh, and with 16% Repo Man. So thanks to everyone who voted. Yeah. And uh, like I, I think we talked in, in our back channel, I, I really think that the uh, TV Party winning out was kind of a legacy win for Institutionalized not being on the list. But them's the breaks, I guess. Yeah, that's that's what happens. But yes, yeah, so again, uh, thanks everyone who voted in uh, in Repo Man, and be sure to check out our poll uh, when we post this episode. Be sure to vote and share. Yes, it's it's going to be a very interesting uh, selection. So let's uh, let's jump in, Joe. You're the movie guy. Tell us a little bit about James Bond. Okay, sure, I can do that. So, James Bond was invented by Ian Fleming in 1952, uh, sort of an amalgam of all the spies and commando types that he encountered as an intelligence officer with the British Navy. Uh, the character, codenamed 007, first appeared in Fleming's novel Casino Royale and would go on to adventures in 11 more novels before Fleming died in 1964. Uh, those novels would soon spawn a film franchise that is still going to this very day. Uh, starting in 62 with Dr. No, 
uh, which starred Sean Connery as 007. The James Bond series is one of the longest running in film history. I think second only to Godzilla as far as like mainstream sort of big budget uh, movie franchises go. There's 24, not f- 24 novels, 24 feature films in the series. The 25th is currently in production, uh, kind of, sort of, uh, with six actors stepping into the role of James Bond and racking up nearly $20 billion at the box office. I think it's the third like, highest-grossing film series behind uh, Harry Potter and the Marvel Universe at this point. But the world of James Bond is all espionage and spycraft, with madmen threatening to steal or detonate nuclear weapons, uh, world-class thieves breaking into Fort Knox, drug dealers secretly funding terrorism, and all kinds of mayhem in between. James Bond kind of set the template for the dashing, debonair secret agent who cracks wise and murders henchmen and seduces women in equal measure. And just like many parts of the Bond franchise have become kind of expected cliches of the genre, uh, so too are the film's theme songs, sung by some contemporary artist um, that would either be a song that sort of is meant to top the charts or is just meant to sort of set the mood for the rest of the film. And you can always sort of count on a James Bond movie to have, at le- if not a good theme, at least an interesting theme. And that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. Yes, uh, we've got a lot of themes to get through. So we have picked our top ten and also our bottom five for, uh, you know, for every really, really outstanding theme, for every, for every Thunderball, there must be a die another day. Yes, absolutely. So with 20 and with 24 themes to pick from, uh, some of them are going to fall through the cracks. And so if your favorite uh, isn't represented here, you know, let us know on on the Twitters or on uh, in our email address in our email inbox and tell us why you think your favorite theme should have been (laughs) represented here tonight. Yeah, we'll be happy to retweet you. So uh, yeah, if you want to post your favorite and uh little bit about it and the video ost party uh is is happy to retweet that's uh ost party at uh ost party on twitter and ost party pod at gmail.com so let us know we're happy to uh share it with our fans and let everyone know yes this is a party not just for us but for you people as well so join in uh so real quick before we get into the the uh the list libby what is kind of your experience with the James Bond series. Do you, do you like the movies? Do you not? I mean, it's not, it's, they try really hard to be for everybody, but sometimes, you know, tastes are different. It's, yeah. It's not something that I, I grew up watching. I dated a guy uh, through the, the late nineties, early two thousands uh, who really liked them. So we saw them a lot. Uh, we saw, I think all the Pierce Brosnan ones and saw some of the classics um i they did kind of fall through the cracks for me because uh growing up in a small town our video store probably only had three or four of them at least of the of the older ones and it was just never something that i got around to to seeing so my my knowledge of the films is is lacking a little um however i have a thing kind of against the modern ones because I have gone to see them, uh, specifically Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, with two different guys who then broke up with me. So oh, no. <laughs> Ian was saying something like, oh, do you want to go see Skyfall? I'm like, nope. 
we are not seeing Skyfall. I want to stay married. So I uh, don't so, jinx it. Yeah, I know. I know. So uh, I I feel like as soon as Daniel Craig is done being Bond, maybe I can edge back in. But then again, I broke up with the guy I saw the Pierce Brosnan films with. So uh, I may just be sort of destined to be that Bond girl to uh to, to never stay with the guy i see a james bond movie with so maybe it was the judy dench curse <laughs> what is the judy dench curse well she's been she's played m from uh golden eye all the way up through skyfall maybe oh so... game judy dench does not want me with these guys that's true all right i'm on to you dame judy dench well played dame judy dench well played <laughs> so joe uh, then what's what's your experience with the uh, james bond uh basically i i like some of the ones that i've seen like a, when i was a kid growing up a bunch of my friends were really into uh spy movies and war movies and things like that so james bond was right up their alley and every time like there would be a a james bond marathon like at, at around the holidays on tv or something like that they would they would try to get me to watch one of them with them and these are you know you got to remember i'm like 10 or 11 years old when these are starting to come around on tv and these are all like old movies and i just look at them and go this is boring (laughs) my taste in movies has has matured a lot since then and in fact just tonight before we started recording i was watching dr no uh not for the first time but i did find myself really enjoying it so i kind of like them in fits and starts and Mm -hmm. like you i've seen most of the modern ones and some of them are good and some of them are bad, but it's, you know. I, I appreciate the, the kitsch that the uh, Pierce Brosnan ones kind of went for. I thought the, the Daniel Craig ones took themselves way too seriously. Um, so I, I kind of like the, the older, sexier, kind of more fun ones, I guess. Um, yeah, like I, I kind of feel like once the James Bond movies left the 60s, they got so tired and so boring and it wasn't really until like the mid 80s when they started to like really pop again you know yeah when cocaine came back exactly exactly (laughs) so but um yeah that's i okay i guess just get into it then Uh, yeah so let's just jump straight into our our top 10 here um all right the way we're going to be doing this is you know we'll trade off i'll do one and then you'll do one uh, so I guess I'll I'll just lead us off here. Um, number ten in our top ten list, you you mentioned it earlier, is um, Skyfall, performed by Adele. Which like this this one really kind of like broke out and became a big hit when that when the song mm-hmm. when that movie came out and it, it won an Oscar I feel re- fairly deserved I have a couple of quibbles with it but on the most part I think it's like a really good sort of classic traditional down the line Bond theme like they didn't try to sh- to rock the boat with it like they've done in the past they didn't try to like change the formula they just said you know what let's just go back to basics and find a singer that can do a bond theme the way that people have always known and love them and that that's exactly what we got and like i have no problem with like a perfectly good bond theme and i feel like this is a pretty solid one see this was one i find i've just always found adele extremely boring Mm -hmm. and she just always kind of strikes me as 
a knockoff act. Like I, there's something about her voice that just does not compel me. The chorus is catchy. I do. I've got it stuck in my head right now. But to me, it's catchy in a sort of forgettable way. Like I couldn't sing you the chorus. I could hum it because it does have that traditional Bond theme. But I don't. Right. I could sing you the words. Um, she also sounds like she's on lewds. <laughs> yeah. I just I've I've never gotten into into Adele, and that's probably more about me than it is about her. But maybe, maybe yeah. so. But like like I said, I have kind of one minor quibble with it, and it's just kind of a lyrical thing. And th- this is like a sticking point that's going to come back later because like, uh, in the lyrics of the song when she says "Let the sky fall," like okay, that's a great line, and I will accept it, and it's a good way of working the title into the song. But then when she's talking about, like, facing them all at Skyfall, that's when it starts to fall apart. Because then it really is just talking about the plot of the movie where you discover, spoiler alert, Skyfall is James Bond's childhood home. And, oh, we have to write a song about that. That's kind of dumb. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, I'm glad I didn't see this movie because that sounds really, that sounds really kind of emo. That's Uh, like, like, if I wanted to watch Citizen Kane, I'd watch Citizen Kane. At Skyfall. Oh, that's 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 a metaphor for something. No, it's James Bond's house. <laughs> <laughs> the, the internet this, likes to okay. make this joke, but it's definitely totally true. The third act of Skyfall is basically a Home Alone movie, where James Bond oh goes back to his childhood home and sets traps for the villain. Oh my god! I'm, this this movie does not sound like it is worth a divorce. I'm glad I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the biggest fan of Skyfall. I know a lot of people love it. It made a billion dollars, so somebody must love it. But it's an okay movie with some decent scenes and a good theme song. That's kind of it for me. Okay. Um, I think this is actually, I want to bring up this point because uh, he's going to show up a couple times. Um, I don't really like Daniel Craig as a uh, as James Bond. I think it should have gone to Clive Owen. You know, that that would have been a really great choice. Like, I... Yeah. Uh, James, Daniel Craig has always been kind of controversial for a number of reasons. But you're right. Clive Owen does just kind of have that traditional kind of james bond look to him you know so yeah he's ridiculously handsome and there is not like men think he's handsome and that's yeah, really important yeah. daniel craig has a mouth like a dog's butt <laughs> like they they really went out of their way to like find a james bond that looked like he could just punch you in the face a hundred times and that's what I daniel guess, craig but... is. daniel craig is a fist in the form of a human being yeah, and it's just, I don't know, I think, and again, I don't, I, I know that those movies are really praised for being, like, hyper gritty, because that's all we're allowed to have these days. Mm-hmm. I find them immensely unfun, which is probably why men broke up with me after seeing them. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, I learned, I learned in the middle of Casino Royale, when a man does not share his junior mints with you, it is over. Oof. I know, I was just that's like rough. this, it was so uncomfortable. That's <laughs> We're actually... Uh, a caveat to that, uh, I am friends with the, the two guys who, who broke up with me after James Bond movies, so it, it all worked out, but I've never, I'm sorry, Daniel Craig or Dame Judi Dench, you ruined it for me. So, uh, so let's let's move on. Uh, Libby, what's your number nine? Number nine for me is uh, Shirley Bassey's Goldfinger. Goldfinger. He's the man. Um, one of the things 
I really, really liked about this song um, is it's kind of goofy. I mean, her voice is so big and beautiful. It's got a great sound to it, but it's also extremely goofy because it's called Goldfinger. And yeah. let me, uh, which I, I kind of dig. And actually, um, one of the reasons I picked this song um, also was uh, I was in a local production of Don't Drink the Water, which is a Woody Allen spy play, uh, kind of a spy farce. And uh, during the set changes, we would play uh, different sort of spy themes. And obviously a lot of uh, James Bond ones came up. And this one specifically was played, uh, I think, as a cue for intermission to be over. Mm -hmm. And my scene was uh, in the second act. So hearing Goldfinger is it's very zen like it's like all right get ready to go on stage I had three lines and it was great it was like the perfect role oh, but awesome. um yeah it was it was a really 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 fun show but so and uh so when I hear this I always I always think of that but um you know he's the man the man of the Midas touch a spider's touch such a cold finger <laughs> beckons you to enter his web of sin uh he loves only gold, only gold. He loves gold. He loves only gold. It's just, it's so, it's such a goofy song, but it's sung so straight that I really, I've got a real soft spot for it. And it's a trendsetter too. Like this is like the first real legit Bond theme song. And it's the one that like all the other ones are kind of measured against. But yeah, no, it, it just has that, that big Bond sound that I really like. Mm -hmm. And and I'm, you're going to see that sort of over and over in the the picks that I have, but it would be wrong to not have Shirley Bassey on this on this uh, this list because she is she is the James Bond like kind of that voice of right. She's kind of um, she's the original. Like as much as Sean Connery is is important for cementing who James Bond is as a character, like she's the voice of the James Bond movies as, as a musical force, basically. Yes. It, um, and she also does um, Moonraker as well. And uh, the less said about that one, the better, though. <laughs> you know what? It, again, it, it it holds a place for being goofy. I respect that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, is there anything you want to say about this one? I'll, I'll say it's. See, here's the thing. I'm not the biggest fan of Goldfinger. I think it's kind of chintzy and silly. But well, yeah, like, it's about a guy with a gold finger. Of course, of course yeah. it's chintzy. But it's it also sets the template of we have to figure out a way to work the title of the movie into a song, and it doesn't yeah. always work. This time, it nope. kind of worked. It does, uh, and again, because it's sort of it's it's so bizarre that it it you kind of go in there like, eh? yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely it's a song about the man, you know, Auric Goldfinger. So sure, I'm I'm willing to grant the song that, but so. it, it feels like this was the one they kept trying to go back to and like copy the success of. And I'm not saying that's the reason why I dislike it. It's just uh, it kind of became the standard, <laughs> and I want to get away from that as much as possible. Basically, it can't be blamed for the uh, ska band Goldfinger. Nor can it be blamed no. for the Austin Powers, the third Austin Powers movie, Goldmember. Not at all. No. <laughs> uh, we we can't blame the original for the the shitty parodies. Now, can we? Yes. No, we cannot. 
We cannot but, blame um, Star Wars for Spaceballs, nor would we want to. Yeah, Spaceballs. I'm starting to think, spa- like, the more I think about, like, the Star Wars films, I'm starting to think Spaceballs is the superior film, because at least there was only one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's your hot take for tonight. It's your hot Libby take. <laughs> oh, there's going to be plenty more, don't you worry. Oh, Yes. Because everything that I just said about Goldfinger, I have to then take back. Because my number eight is Shirley Bassey's Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds are forever. Hold one up and then caress it. Touch it. Stroke it. And this was actually... This was the only one that we had overlap on. Because I had actually put this as my, my number nine. Right, uh, so it kind of it kind of worked out, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I I did I did make the complaint in my notes that like okay the, this is the point where all the songs are starting to sound the same. This is the first time they went back to a singer for a theme song. So this is when Sean Connery comes back after uh, being away for a film. Uh, they also brought Shirley Bassey back in to do the theme song for Diamonds Are Forever, and I, I just think Diamonds Are Forever is a little bit more. It works better as a conventional song than Goldfinger does. Mm-hmm. I guess agree. I guess because it's not trying to describe a man with a literal Goldfinger. It's just a song about about. It's basically diamonds are a girl's best friend. Okay, <laughs> that's but basically sexier. What the song is. It is. I like it a lot, and so, I, I do like the the line. Unlike you know, diamonds are forever. Unlike men, diamonds linger. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, as a woman with both a diamond and a man. Um, <laughs> but um, I guess as the story goes, she was told to imagine uh, singing about a penis, which makes no sense. Huh. Because uh, diamonds are forever and dick kind of isn't. And that's the whole point of the song. Yeah. Is that I mean, sometimes that's that that's dick like a, is... a perfect analogy for a James Bond movie, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I but I, I do. I really, really, really like this song a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and because I love like that that kind of thundering bass that goes underneath it. It's mm-hmm. so it's like that big, big sound. Um, so yeah, and having having to to pick between this, I was glad you picked this one because it was difficult for me to pick between uh between this and Goldfinger. So I got my I got my diamonds and could eat them too. Yeah, yeah, it's a good <laughs> song. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. As, as far as Bond so. themes go, like I, this is a pretty, pretty solid one. So, uh, so. Uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, let's go down to the list here to number seven. Libby, what you got? Number seven is uh, Tom Jones' Thunderball from 1965's Thunderball. I decided that this was going to be the year that I got super into Tom Jones for reasons <laughs> that make sense only to me. Sure. I haven't been successful so far. Um, I've sort of sidelined it for other things. But um, but Thunderball is kind of an essential Tom Jones song. And I love, again, like, I love this, like, nasty horn section. Uh, 
And I, I love that when you have this vocalist, we're going to see this come up a couple times with some of my other picks, with just that satiny voice. Mm-hmm. I just, I love it. Um, because the song needs to have a weight to it. And that's what I feel yeah. like Skyfall doesn't have. It doesn't have that weight. Um, and and this has has that anchor, but it also has Tom Jones just like incredible, sexy, but still manly yeah. voice. Yeah, and also so. like like you said, the, it it really sounds like they're trying to work the Tom Jones theme like into the movie. Like the actual James Bond sort of score has a lot of Thunderball in it in this one. And I, I like when James Bond movies do that. Like I like when they actually incorporate the theme song into the score of the movie in a, in a way that actually makes the whole thing kind of feel a little bit more unique. Because how many times can you really listen to the actually you know the the Monty Norman James Bond theme? And not just get kind of, oh, I almost said bored by it. But you don't get bored by the James Bond theme. You just, you can hear it too many times. So when the theme song can really pop the way the score does, that makes it a lot better. Actually, though, fun fact about this song, about Thunderball, is that it was written by Don Black, who also wrote uh, Diamonds Are Forever. And will write a couple other songs uh with David Arnold later on, who is uh, these two between the two of them, they wrote every single song on my list. <laughs> well, it, it, Libby clearly has a uh, a preference here, I guess. <laughs> I knew, and it was one of those things. Like I didn't know that until I started looking at it, and I realized, wait a second, these guys like they they managed to. I feel like really capture that James Bond sound that I really like. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I was just thinking it was random. No, I mean, these these things reveal themselves in strange ways. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that I really, really like about um, about Thunderball is that with that weight that it, that it has, there's the string section, which really plays into Bond's sort of sensuality, that he is, he's not just all guns, he's also very classy, with tuxedos, and his martinis shaken, not stirred, and his beautiful ladies in long dresses. So I really, I like that part of it. I feel like it really manages to sum up, musically, what James Bond is all about. Uh, what real-life person can evoke that James Bond feeling more than Tom Jones, really? Oh, yeah, there's something about him, <laughs> he's cheesy, but he's classy. Mm. Any other any thoughts on um, any other thoughts on Thunderball? It also sets the trend for like Bond movies tr- uh, trying to find a, a a singer each time out that will sort of best encapsulate that movie. Like it's the second James Bond movie with a theme song, so it's the second uh, person at, at bat for a James Bond theme. So, and you know we've already shown that they they're willing to go back to the well with certain performers. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I guess Thunderball is just a good example of like them sort of finding the next you know songwriter or musician to sort of hit that next home run for them yeah and and a lot of them really have been successful so um all right uh so now so what's your uh what's number six yeah jumping way ahead to 1995 uh this movie is i i I feel like is our generation's favorite bond movie for a very specific uh video game related reason (laughs) Uh, it's it's goldeneye uh by tina turner Smoke and mirrors, feel his presence in the crowd. Other girls, they gather around him. If I 
this song uh, has had a lot of uh, baggage attached to it. You know, it's it sort of historically, it's the first James Bond film in like seven or eight years. They had a long, long hiatus between when Timothy Dalton left uh, the, the the series. Actually, no, six years uh, between when he, when he left the series and when they finally figured out uh, Pierce Brosnan was going to be able to jump back into the role. And in those six years, the Cold War had ended. Uh, the Berlin Wall had fallen down. All of these like cultural things that happened, and James Bond was in a place where we didn't know if we still needed a James Bond anymore. And that's kind of sort of what the song is about. And that's part of the reason why I like it. It's it's about um, it's also about sort of the villain watching James Bond from you know from a distance and spying on him and waiting for, the, for that right moment to get his revenge. And Tina Turner mm-hmm. sings it so so well. She sings yeah. it just. I don't know what the what what the quality is that she brings to it, but it's a very seductive quality, and like it it, it wants yeah. you to almost root for the villain. Yeah, and I I do love these these kind of R and B James Bond themes. It's it's actually surprising to me that it took till 1995 to get Tina Turner as to sing a James Bond theme that seems like a waste of Tina Turner. It really does. And like, she's no, like she's no stranger to doing movie theme songs. She very famously did the theme song to Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. And that song is amazing. Oh yeah. Exactly. And that's why. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised they didn't make a James Bond movie just to have Tina. Maybe they did. Maybe they're like, we need to come up with a Tina Turner James Bond, and they're like, we'll just build something around it, throw that British guy from Mrs. Doubtfire, and he's fine. <laughs> Get Remington so. Steele in here, he'll do it. <laughs> yeah, he but looks yeah. good in a tuxedo, it's fine, who cares? Sure. And that's not a joke either. Um, <laughs> no, Pierce Brosnan is very dashing in these movies, he, he's, yeah. he's a great Bond. But, he uh, is. So- he balances the the sort of charmingness with the action hero that I, I feel like is essential is essential to Bond with a little bit of, of kitsch. Yeah, I think he's the closest we got ever got to having like another Sean Connery because like he can do sort of the cool and suave and collected James Bond, but he's also not above like giving a really stupid one liner or a pun. Yeah. For the fun of it. And he's fucking handsome as shit. He's a handsome dude. He's really handsome. Uh, the other thing about this song is that it was written by uh, Libby's favorite uh, writing duo, Bono and The Edge. Oh my god! Me too. <laughs> I really don't know how they got those guys to do a bond to write a bond theme, but uh, and for it to actually be awesome, I would not have in a million years guessed that that was Bono in the Edge. Also, in the same year as "Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me," which we've as well established is Libby's favorite song. I do love that song. <laughs> so that's this is 1995 was good for Bono and the Edge. Way to go, guys! Yeah, and then uh, just an odd footnote. Uh, the next, the very next year, the other half of you two went on to do the uh, theme song for Mission Impossible. Cool. So this was like a that was like a good year for you uh, two and spy thrillers. Yeah, um, <laughs> and this was actually probably my first introduction to James Bond, and as as you touched on via the N sixty four game. Yep. Yep. So I remember playing that um, at. Uh, of the house of a friend of my then boyfriend, Aaron. And I remember at this great moment where I forget who had the golden gun. It might've been Aaron. It might've been Ben Putnam, who was a horrible person. <laughs> and I fucking destroyed him. Like me as Xenia on top, 
fucking nailed him. It was probably Hell the yeah. highlight. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, I fucking rule at this game. First time I'd ever played it, I was like, okay, yes, I am the cool girl. It's probably one of the, the highlights of, of my <laughs> teen years, even though I barely remember it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, I <laughs> played the video game first, and I loved the game so much, I had to go and find the movie. And, and once I found the movie, yeah, I was kind of hooked in on the Bond train from there on out. Yeah. So. I That's... didn't see the movie till much later, and I remember very little about it, except that a really, really ridiculously gorgeous girl kills a guy with her thighs. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, get to the gym, Libby. You may need this someday. <laughs> I have not, as of yet, killed a man by crushing him with my thighs. There's but not for time. lack of trying. <laughs> I I take that back. I'm sorry. That was, that was weird. <laughs> no, that was hysterical. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm blushing over here. That's really funny. Uh, so, no. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, that's that is literally all I remember about Goldeneye is like pick like weird square polygon jaw people running around which i'm pretty sure is not how the movie goes but not really it's and a lady killing. the polygons are only slightly better in the movie <laughs> uh, my favorite part of the movie is that james bond's like american sidekick is named wade which i definitely identify with as a big fan of uh uh what's his name joe don baker I remember getting in an argument with my ex about Joe Don Baker because Joe Don Baker, of course, was in uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000's Mitchell and Final Justice, both of which are terrible films. And so I really, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Joe Don Baker, but my uh, then boyfriend was like, no, he's a really good actor. He was in a James Bond movie. Like, I'm pretty sure you don't have to be a really good actor to be in a James Bond movie. (laughs) Exhibit A, Pierce Brosnan. Exhibit B, Jodon Baker. Exhibit C, uh, Denise Richards. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Terry Hatcher. The li- do do I need to go on? Halle Berry. No, I shouldn't say Halle Berry. She's fine. She has an Oscar. She's fine. <laughs> All right, let's move it. Let's move on, shall we? We shall. Uh, Libby, we're we're hitting the middle of the pack here. Libby, what's your number five? My number five, this was hard. These last three are all, they're all great. And so um, I'm going to go with Chris Cornell's You Know My Name from Casino Royale in 2006. This song is fucking amazing. I'm sad that Chris Cornell is no longer with us. Um, this is this was sort of the resurgence of, of Bond, the first movie with Daniel Craig, and sort of getting into the, the grittier Bond that the millennials love. Um, it's There's two versions of this. The version that's in the film is a little slower. It's a little raw on the vocals. There's also the rock version, um, 
which I prefer. It's just, it's a little bit faster and a little bit more polished, but it is powerful. It's gritty, but it still has that James Bond sexiness. It is absolutely music for running with a pistol in your hand and then jumping off a waterfall. It's like what it makes me feel like I'm going to do every single time I hear it. I listen to this song all the time. There's really only uh, two James Bond themes that I, I listen to on kind of constant rotation. And this is one of them. Although the weird thing is I always picture the Archer th- like mo- opening montage when I hear this. <laughs> yeah, it kind of works. It, it works, too, because like in the movie, the opening montage is a very sort of like Saul Bass kind of 60s vibe to it. It's a really yeah. great sequence. It's like it might be my favorite like James Bond sequ- like opening title sequence. Because just I don't how... remember it. Because I got dumped after this film, as we all recall. Oh, well, that's a sh- that's a shame, but you shouldn't hold that against rem- uh, Casino Royale. <laughs> or at least I remember the- finding Casino Royale extremely boring. I'm not here to defend the movie. I'm kind of just here to defend this opening title sequence, because I think it's really great. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's, it's all, great. It's, I should go back and watch it. It, it. Yeah, you should. It's all about... I mean, it's it's definitely playing on sort of the casino theme. It's, it's lots of just basically James Bond murdering a bunch of playing cards, but it's all done in such a stylish kind of uh, artful way that it, it, not a lot of James Bond movies have ever really topped. Like they all have tried to do most of the James Bond like opening themes have done sort of the the sexy lady dancing against a backdrop of explosions or something. But this is the first yeah. one that kind of does away with all of the sexy ladies and just is like, all right, no, this is just an animated sequence of James Bond murdering people because that's what this movie's about. Cool. And, and actually, yeah. uh, shout out to my friend Mike for he put this on a, a mix for me. And that was really the first time I sort of paid attention to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure I heard it in the film, but didn't really take notice of it because I was busy getting dumped. Uh, but I just like I took to this one instantly. And so mm. that 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 has to go out to uh, to Mike for sort of bringing it back to my attention. And he put the Rock Knicks um, on nice. there. So, but yeah, this is another uh, Bond song that really it has to thread that needle of it's kind of kind of talking about the movie and kind of sort of explaining the plot, but doing so in a way that's not completely obvious. And I think yeah, that's not Back in Time by Huey Lewis. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but. The the thing with this, actually, um, in in preparing for this podcast, I looked at what other rankings had as far as their how they ranked all. They usually ranked all of them, and Rolling Stone ranked this one very low. And it just reminded me that Rolling Stone is irrelevant and for jerks. Rolling Stone doesn't put out a list unless they can put a Nirvana song at number one. So I don't <laughs> think they we have we. I don't think we can really give them any credit anymore you know yeah <laughs> like nirvana's fine but it's been 25 years guys let it go yeah it was um they said it was it, the sort of like gen xness of it was a little too late and it's like you know what eat a fart rolling stone just eat a fart chris cornell is dead let us just have this one okay i know and it's so it really is oh. it, this is this is a stellar song you Know My Name was written by uh, Don Black, with lyrics by Don Black, who wrote, uh, as we said, Thunderball and Diamonds Are Forever, with um, music by uh, David Arnold. So, oh, wow. Yeah, he's, again, you see that. That, that is where the two, the two fuse, and they meet, 
and form a powerful union, even though this was the, the last one they composed together. Yeah, I'm surprised Don Black stuck around as long as he did, or at least, if not stuck around, kept coming back for these. They knew they had to get the good stuff. Basically, yeah. All right. This Hi. really is the last good Chris Cornell song, too, because like the, uh, the Soundgarden song on the Avengers soundtrack fucking sucks. Come oh. at me. Come oh, at me, no. Internet. <laughs> We're going to do an entire episode about the Avengers, and I'm going to be so fucking angry. <laughs> no, we are not, because I don't want to have to watch the Avengers. That's fair, because there's a shitty Soundgarden song and a shitty cover of a Great Faith No More song, and I hate them both. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. No, thank you. All right. <laughs> so you heard it here first. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. So number coming in at number four, Joe. What do you have coming in at number four? I think we're getting into the ones that I think everybody's kind of waiting for us to talk about. Number four from 1977, uh, Carly Simon's uh, "Nobody Does It Better" from the "Spy Who Loved Me" soundtrack. And what I wrote in my notes about this one was that finally they figured out the song doesn't have to have the same title as the movie because so many of these songs try to work the title of the movie into the song and it's it's almost always awkward in some way, shape or form. And then you get Carly Simon in here to do Nobody Does It Better. And it's kind of a good reminder that, yeah, these songs don't have to just explain who james bond is and what he's about even though the song kind of does like the song is basically about a woman just you know, talking about her man and and being distraught that nobody does it better than him and why does it have to be him because i think she kind of hates james bond that's fair he's kind of an asshole yeah especially in like the roger moore years when uh the spy who loved me came out like Roger Moore has his has his charms, but for the most part, he's just kind of blech. It's like watching Grandpa play Spy, basically. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. It's um, you. I I respect this again, like again, this feminist anthem of just like man, this guy is an asshole, but that D man, that I gotta get that D. Mm-hmm. Ooh, how do you make the, How do you make that decision? Guy's an asshole, but uh, he's good and bad. So, uh, this one to me, it's a little adult contemporary. It's not mm-hmm. bad. It just to me doesn't say like James Bond. Um, but one of the things I'm realizing actually is we're doing this. All but two of our songs are sung by women, which is a real a real shift from a lot of the real dude heavy soundtracks. It really is yeah, yeah. Are there any women on on Repo Man? There's only uh two on the crow um there's one on back to the future you know it's so Mm -hmm. we've had a lot of you know a lot of real male dominated albums um so it's nice to have you know sort of women women taking the scene yeah why why do you think that is like what is it about james bond that kind of brought the the women singers at to the to the table because everybody loves a bond girl I guess. So, and because they can sort of long for James Bond, which works 
uh, in some ways. I think obviously, I think Carly Simon uh, really sells it. Um, when we talk about some of our uh, our worst Bond themes, which we're going to get to in a second, it also can work against the singer. So um, I I love it. I think it's great. You've got some real some real badass broads in here. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I think this this might be as far as like sort of the mid the mid the middle aged James Bond era, I guess. This is probably the best of the bunch. This this is this is oh, yeah. the best this is the best James Bond theme for like your dad's generation. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. And and Carly Simon is is oh, yeah. so incredible. And this is also the only Bond theme that was like uh written and composed by Marvin Hamlish, who was like having a real moment in the late seventies. <laughs> Like he got his Oscar for the Sting, and then they said, "Oh, we got to get this guy." Yeah. So <laughs> there's not a whole lot left to say about the song that we haven't already said. It's just it's a it's a great sort of um, baseline for the Roger Moore era. I don't think it ever, nobody nobody did it better in the Roger Moore era than Carly Simon. Hey, how about that's, that? Yeah, that's fair. I'll I'll go for that. So. I, I feel like this list is very light on the Roger Moore era and probably for good reason, because it's this that's the era of James Bond film. I think that we you and I kind of both associate with being the stuffy, boring, tired, lame James Bond movies. And yeah, yeah. Agreed. And in keeping with our our ladies of James Bond, number three is The World is Not Enough. Uh, so from 1999's uh, The World is Not Enough. This song, oh my god! And and for this to be number three really tells you how fucking great number one is, which I'm really really excited about. But it is sweeping, it is sultry, it is sexy. Shirley Manson's voice just stretches every single note, exploring the spaces in between them, and. Just some of those lyrics, no one ever died from wanting too much. And I uh, was the other, there's another great lyric. Um, if we can't have it all, then nobody will. And which I guess is a line from the film. It is so good. It's so, it's incredible. This song is everything that a James Bond theme should be. And two notes on that. Um, my friend Jason actually put this on a mix for me, and it was one of the sexiest things anyone has ever done. It almost makes up for the fact that he friend dumped me after watching Quantum of Solace. Oh my God, Libby! What is so, this curse that that you you weren't hitting? Oh my God! <laughs> but we're we're friends now, so it's fine. But um. I actually got to hear her perform this live. I saw uh, Blondie, Garbage, and Deep Valley uh, a couple years back at Bethel Woods, and she busted this one out, and I lost my shit. I just started (laughs) screaming, and she sounded as good as, as it does on the recording. Her voice has, there's nothing has changed about her voice. It was 
It was unreal. It was like, it was, it was a holy moment. I just felt touched by the raw power of Shirley Manson's incredible voice. She's still a knockout. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't say enough about this song. Oh, my God. And I'm, like, getting is, chills just thinking about it. This is also, like, one of the few, like, Bond songs that you hear it and you think, oh, that's totally a James Bond song. But also, you hear it and go, that's totally a garbage song. Yeah, like, it somehow manages to, to fuse them both. Yeah. And I think that, that kind of speaks to how good this song is. Yeah. And this one was actually written by uh, David Arnold. Mm-hmm. who wrote You Know My Name with Don Black of Diamonds Are Forever and Thunderball. Yeah. So you're starting to see all that uh, all that come together. Yeah, right. and uh, uh, David Arnold is kind of, he's sort of the the composer, the, the house composer for like the Pierce Brosnan era, basically. Yeah. So, and um, yeah, he uh, he wrote this one. He wrote You Know My Name um, and then he wrote... Uh, our number one. I, I remember seeing The World Is Not Enough. I don't remember anything about it. This was the one, like, modern Bond movie that I totally, that just totally skipped me by. Like, I just, nothing, never saw it, never played the video game, never nothing. Just like, I've heard the song and that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, this one, I like I said, I know I, I saw it, I remember nothing. I'm sure I saw it with my then boyfriend, Aaron. Oh, that's one of those things. I loved this song so much. When I was a, a teenager and thought I wanted to be an actress I had this like in my head this goal that for me the ultimate goal would be to be a Bond girl who also sang the theme Mm. yeah so I just always thought that would be the coolest thing because that would combine my great love of singing and my great love of being sexy and walking around in a bikini which if any of you have seen my record Saturday photos you know I'm living one of those dreams Every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing I'll say about this this song is the music video for it is unique and very good. Uh, because a yes. lot of the theme songs for the Bond themes, have they're just kind of the singer doing their version of like a James Bond intro sequence. But the garbage uh, World Is Not Enough music video is great because basically it's about Shirley Manson being a robot who is implanted with a, bo- a time bomb that she will ex- will detonate on stage while she, with the rest of Garbage, play the song live in concert. It's a great video. <laughs> yeah, that thought crossed my mind. I was like, oh shit. What if mm. this is a robot? Maybe that's why she sounds so good. No, she didn't detonate. She just kept singing. It was cool because she kept walking into the audience and you could see sort of her handlers like running after her. Like, come back. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> She's doing it again. <laughs> like She went rogue. <laughs> but um yeah, oh, that's it was like I said, <laughs> she's she's incredible. I love her so much. That is awesome. <laughs> so okay, so before we get into our top two, uh, we need to take a sideline here and talk about some of the worst James Bond themes because some of them are bad. Some of them are extremely bad, truly terrible, and we don't have to go into depth into any detail about these because like that's just a lot of pain that nobody needs. Oh, I'm going into detail. I if I had to suffer, y'all have to suffer. Okay. Uh so Libby, what's what's the what's the number five worst James Bond theme? Coming in at number five is uh Rita Coolidge uh all time high from Octopussy, which is not a title you could have today. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm probably glad that they didn't call the song Octopussy. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I was I was kind of waiting for that too. Like watching the themes kind of back to back to back, I was expecting like, all right, here comes Octopussy, and they're gonna get Shirley Bassey to try and work that into a song. Octopussy, and it's gonna be the worst. And then they pivoted, and it was still worse. It was yeah, still it, bad. The the thing about this song is this would be the a great song for uh, a romantic 80s comedy about a young woman rising in a male-dominated industry, maybe as she's running up the stairs to take the newscast or get the big story into the, the paper or throw her hat in the air or something while also falling in love with the stern but somehow soft boss. Uh, it is not a James Bond theme for a film called Octopussy. Wait, this isn't the theme song for Working Girl? <laughs> yeah, it really it should be. No, that was Carly Simon, I believe. I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> I know, because we had to sing it in choir. Oh. And I found the 45 a little while ago, Let the River Run, and it brought back a lot of really horrible memories that I don't want to get into right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this song is basically elevator music to me. Like if this, oh, it's adult contemporary garbage. Yeah, if this song mugged me in a dark alley in the middle of the night, I honestly would not be able to pick it out of a police lineup. Like, I, <laughs> it went in one ear and out the other, and I'm ready to move on. Yeah. So, all right. So then, what comes in at number four? Uh, number four is uh, Cheryl Crow's "Tomorrow Never Dies" from 1997's "Tomorrow Never Dies." Oh my god, this song is bad. Like, it's bad enough that, that they threw out a much better song and in place of a song by, like, Sheryl Crow, who at the time was, like, the top of the charts with some song or other that nobody remembers. And they just got Sheryl Crow to come in and do a song that's very un-Sheryl Crow and just not a lot of fun. No, it's, um, it opens with so much promise. Again, it has, like, that big james bond sound and then immediately squanders it it pulls this really weird bait and switch and mm -hmm. just goes for cheryl crow's like nasally slur like girl get some consonants please um it's just she's straining so hard for those notes in the chorus and she's really it's it in listening to it again for this podcast i couldn't even get through the song i was like this actually hurts this is it, it, extremely unpleasant um and the POV sucks because it's just about this girl who's like waiting at home for James Bond. Like uh, he's probably banged like six other girls in the length of time that you have been singing. Yeah. And I it's not know. even it's not even about just a girl waiting for James Bond. It's about a girl that's been murdered while while James Bond was away. Really? I think the, the first lines of the song are, are darling, I'm killed. I'm in a puddle on the floor. Waiting oh, I for thought you that was like return. a metaphor. I've. This is James Bond. I'm pretty sure it's literal. Yeah, but it's 90s James Bond. It's still James Bond. I don't know. It's kind of PG James Bond. I don't know. Well, do you know the answer? Write into us. OSTPartyPod at gmail.com. Cheryl um, Crow, if you're listening, please. Please answer us. Um, and also answer for Kid Rock. Yeah. You owe What's us that picture that? shit about? Yeah. But um, I, I hate Cheryl Crow. Uh, I just, I do. And I know I shouldn't, but I, I just, I really, she never caught on for me. Um, I had the sheet music for this. It is really? not a pleasant, yeah, I, again, I was going to be that, that Bond girl. Um, it's not a pleasant song to sing. It's, it goes all over the place. It really, it's, it's in nobody's range. It's, it's just, it's not pleasant. 
Mm. But I, I did have it. That's a shame. Yeah. Such a shame. Yeah. Such wasted potential, this song. <laughs> because the yes. movie surrounding it is actually pretty good. Like, like Tomorrow Never Dies is kind of one of the more underrated like James Bond movies. I like it. I remember so, liking yeah. it. Yeah. I don't remember what it's about, but I remember thinking, like, this is fun. Yeah. So, number three. This one, I think, is going to get us some hate. Writings on the Wall from Spectre uh, by Sam Smith. And it is the worst. I Honestly, I don't even know how we rank all these, because they're all terrible. They're all terrible, yeah. But, like, the this is the most recent one, and I feel like the least deserving of an Academy Award. Because this actually won the Oscar that year. And I'm, it, it still makes me angry. Writings on the Wall winning the Oscar was totally a legacy win for Skyfall, which, guess what? Already won a fucking Oscar. So what are you doing giving it to James Bond twice? The thing with the Writings on the Wall is you're trying to reinvent James Bond uh, in Casino Royale and making bringing in that fabulous Chris Cornell song, You Know My Name, and being super gritty. They also, I guess, decided that James Bond needed to be super emo. And I do not get that. But but yeah, you no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like after they brought in Chris Cornell to do this kind of more rock infused sort of uh, James Bond theme, and then the next time out, they brought in Jack White and Alicia Keys, which kind of sort of worked, kind of sort of didn't. Like nobody really cares much about that song. But then after that, I they just went, about that one. They went hard classical back to like the original James Bond stuff with Adele and Skyfall, and so like, well, that certainly worked. Let's try that again. And I think they did it a little, they went a little too far in that direction because the writings on the wall is just kind of, it doesn't have a hook. It doesn't have any emotion to it. And it just, it's just kind of a song. And like, unless I'm sitting here watching the video or like the movie, I don't remember a thing about it. I just remember it being super mopey. And it's like, look, if I wanted to listen to pictures of you by the cure, I'd listen to pictures of you by the cure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. So and just personal preference, I don't think Sam Smith was that great of a choice for a James Bond song. Like his voice doesn't register, I guess, as a big sort of brassy classical kind of sound, you know? Yeah. No, I'm I'm not even sure what a Sam Smith is, to be perfectly honest. It's a guy who rips off Tom Petty. Okay. <laughs> I'm gross. And also, uh, like, I'm 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 watching right now the Spectre like intro sequence on on mute, and like it's a it's a fascinating short film if you're not if you're not listening to Sam Smith. But then when you turn the good. yeah, put it with Chris Cornell instead. Oh, that's gonna be a good one. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> Remix it and put it on the interwebs. Hell yeah! All right, so uh, Libby, what, what's our our number two our our second worst Bond theme? Our game? second worst is Lulu's "The Man with the Golden Gun," and you hate this song. I super duper hate this song for reasons I've said earlier in the episode. Uh, like when they decided that they were going to start writing songs where they incorporate the title of the movie into the song, like Goldfinger, you can kind of do Thunderball. There are words that rhyme with that. But then when you have an entire like six word phrase, the man with the golden gun, you have to figure out how to make that scan in a poem before you could ever try to sing that. And it just doesn't work. The, I, oh, man. Um, I, <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's embarrassing. 
<laughs> I sort of, I didn't even say I liked this one, but if there was like a James Bond cartoon, not young James Bond, like just a straight up 80s James Bond cartoon of the breakfast cereal, this would be the theme song. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, this, too, was, like, one of the goofier premises for a Bond movie. Like, okay, we're going to have this guy who's an assassin who kills people for a million dollars apiece with a gun that shoots gold bullets. Why? I don't know. And he wants to ch- challenge James Bond to a duel? Okay. What kind of song do we do? Uh, make it kind of like a 70s TV show sort of thing. Like, kind of like Chips, but not quite? I don't know. <laughs> Nothing but about uh, this just lands for me. It just seems embarrassing. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, <laughs> but years later, um, the Golden Gun would show up in Goldeneye, which we've already established was a landmark game for Joe and I. One hit kill. You had to put baby. in like a code. Yeah, you had to. Yeah. There was like a secret code. And you'd get the Golden Gun, and, and then you had, to, I finish, would kill you had you. to finish the hardest level in like a minute and a half, and it was literally impossible. <laughs> Ugh. somehow somehow we had it probably through a cheat code so yeah so take I, that no lulu. Other way. take that lulu oh boy uh so libby are <laughs> so what are is our the worst lip I'll, I'll ask you libby the worst james okay. bond song your least favorite and mine what is it it is madonna's die another day from of course uh, it is yes from <laughs> 2002's die another day which essentially killed the franchise this movie killed everything Mm -hmm. this was their batman and robin yeah it this song was so bad um madonna also managed to live my dream of being the bond girl in a james bond film uh while singing the theme song and i hate her that's that's right she was in that movie oh she she plays the fencing instructor and i hate her forever yeah that's right you stole my dream from me madonna once again, it's all about yeah. you, isn't it, Madonna? Yeah, just because your entire, <laughs> all your portraits take up an entire wing of the Herb Ritz exhibit. <laughs> I think you're so great. And the thing is, like, I can at least appreciate and see what they're trying to do with the song because, like, it, the actual like title sequence in the in Diana of the Day is really good. But then there's this horrible EDM Madonna song underneath it, and it's just. It's too much. It's way too... They went too far in the other direction with it. What what I do appreciate about this song is that it is extremely 2002. 2002 was a year we decided, you know what? Life is an ugly mess and we don't deserve nice things. So we had new metal uh, in the early aughts. We just... We took everything that was good about the 90s and we wrecked it. And Madonna... And Madonna decided that EDM was the way to go forever. Yeah, we got what we deserved. Pretty much. And so I, I appreciate yeah, I appreciate it in that. Um it's so it's jerky and weird. It's just techno auto-tuned slop. For some reason she yells Sigmund Freud. Nothing about <laughs> this makes sense. I hate it. And especially when you think that uh just a few years earlier in 1999. She put out Beautiful Stranger for Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. And she yeah. thought, a Beautiful Stranger is a great song. And she used up her great song on a movie where a guy drinks a cup of 
human feces, mistaking it for coffee, and then proclaims it a little bit nutty. And that's what you use the good Madonna song for? Are you fucking kidding me? And also in the video for that song, Madonna tries to seduce this man. I just remember her like waving her butt at the camera and Mm -hmm. just being like, oh, Mm -hmm. God. And And the the other thing about this song is if she had just sung it like a normal song, if they had just not gone the EDM direction with it, it might have been an okay song. But it was 2002, and we're like, no, EDM is the future. 2002 is going to be around forever. We're always going to wear Jankos. And Cammy and Pointy Toe. And Triple X starring Vin Diesel is coming, and I'm here for that, and this is what we want from now on. Yes, low-rise jeans will never go out of style. Hell yeah. No. All hail skinny jeans. Uh, So yeah, this was Die Another Day is a bad song, and if you like it, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. We try to be open-minded on this podcast, but if you like Die Another Day, you are wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong. (sighs) <sighs> Diane, it, even the movie like Diane the other day is so goofy and stupid and just too dumb for its own good like that's where yeah. James Bond is trying to like windsurf away from a space laser in front of an <laughs> ice castle and none of the words I just said were made up <laughs> it's the worst yeah no it's it's not it's not good all right so before we jump into our, our final two let's recap where we've been so far so uh, our top 10 so far. Number 10, uh, Skyfall by Adele. Number nine, Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey. Uh, number eight, Diamonds Are Forever, also by Shirley Bassey. Number seven, Thunderball by Tom Jones. Number six, Goldeneye by Tina Turner. Number five, You Know My Name by Chris Cornell. Number four, Carly Simon's Nobody Does It Better from The Spy Who Loved Me. Number three, The World Is Not Enough by Garbage. So here is where we get into our top two, my top pick and Libby's top pick. And it's going to be tough because I already know what her number one is, and I totally agree. So we're going to have a fun time discussing my number one, which is really number two, which is Gladys Knight's theme song (laughs) for 1989's License to Kill. This is this is a good song. This is and again, it's I love that the R and B James Bond themes. They're severely underrated. Yeah, I'm glad you went with two of them. Yeah, like I something about something about the R and B like uh, singer really works for this series, and especially like in the the late '80s and early '90s, it's they just kind of meld together so well, especially with how dark I guess the Bond movies kind of got in the late '80s because. License to Kill is kind of a brutal movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I know there's definitely a scene where a guy gets murdered by being put into a giant microwave okay. and exploded. But so, so, like in Gremlins, kind of like in Gremlins, yeah. But this is not a cartoon at all. And he's not a puppet. And he's not a puppet. Okay. This, Joe Dante did not direct License to Kill, 
which is a shame because that would have been awesome. That would have been hysterical. That would have been fantastic. But no, Timothy Dalton is like a really good, like grounded, serious James Bond. And they only gave him two tries. So, uh, but yeah, License to Kill. Um, the thing that I appreciate about it the most is you can tell they're trying to build on sort of the James Bond songs of the past with this one. Where mm-hmm. they do definitely crib sort of the stinger from the Goldfinger theme and work that into Gladys Knight's uh, theme. Yes. And they they do it well and they they don't do it in a way that makes it seem like a ripoff or a joke like this it's mm-hmm. very much supposed to be sort of a nod to the James Bond of the past and now we're bringing it back into sort of the the modern age and it just plain works i really like uh the way Gladys Knight sings it and then the lyrics as opposed to the um the Carly Simon song where she just you know where she sings about how like I kind of hate him, but nobody does it better. In in License to Kill, she is straight up singing about how she will kill anybody who tries to get in between her and her man. I respect that. I <laughs> and, deeply yeah, respect I respect that. that. Like you, you go go for it, Gladys Knight. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll support you in this. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's no one's gonna tell Gladys Knight. No, um, I love her talks in the video, and I yeah. really do think it's time for a female James Bond either i think we need a a, and not jane bond like i really think it's time for a woman to play 007 james bond with that code name with the tux i think it should be i don't know let's make it janelle monet why not yeah why not like there's really no reason why they couldn't do it it's just there's expectations against it and the so um that's that's the only reason I know. So this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have Gladys Knight as James Bond. Oh, man. Well, and two, I think she might she might have a hard time doing the stunts nowadays. But, uh, you know, 89, that would have been perfect. Not just saying a a female James Bond would be great because, like, all the spies are are looking out for a dude named James Bond. And then a woman shows up. like, What's this chick doing here? And then she kills everybody in the room. Yeah. Yeah. They would never see it coming. Exactly. And I mean, if we, if we can't get a woman, then we, we do at least need a, a person of color. So it's we're done with white guy James Bond. They're really boring. Sorry, Daniel Craig, you're done. So it kind of has to be Gladys Knight is what you're saying. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I support this. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% that, and, for it. And that's why License to Kill has the second best theme song ever. Yes. So. Our reasons are flimsy, but they are our own. <laughs> I think I think we've made an excellent case. Sure, for, yeah. For both things. Yeah. So. And so uh, now comes a sort of the the final, the last uh, entry in our top 10 here. There's some big names that we haven't really discussed yet. Um, and I don't think we're going to discuss them at all because we really kind of have to zig where everyone thinks we're going to zag tonight. So Libby. Well, were there any, actually, before we get to that, were there any that almost made the list for you? I almost wanted to put um where's my last chip? I almost wanted to put a view to a kill on my or I almost did actually. I did too. It ended up getting bumped for uh Goldfinger. Mm. But fuck yeah, Duran Duran. Yeah, like that was that one was the first time I feel like they really said, you know what, let's just move away from sort of the classical Bond theme style and just go for something more modern, more poppy. Yeah. And it it's works. the eighties. And it it's super duper eighties. But it works. Mm-hmm. Like it works where um Aha's theme song for the Living Daylights really doesn't work. 
Yeah, and Duran Duran is so good. Although I would have also accepted, uh, as far as Duran Duran songs, you could plug in a James Bond movie to Hungry Like the Wolf. I'm fine with it. Or Rio. Rio would make a great James Bond theme. Um, Hungry Like the Wolf does sound like a... Hungry Like the Wolf does sound like the title of a James Bond movie. Oh, yeah. Hungry Like the Wolf is a great song. Um, (laughs) But that was... Yeah, that was the the one that I I got really close to and then just... uh, Threw overboard in favor of uh, of uh, Goldfinger. So I'm oh, um, I'm sorry. I should have my the other one that I wanted to put on my list, but just couldn't find a place for it was Nancy Sinatra's theme for "You Only Live Twice." Uh, yeah, that I, is a good. I, one. I, I I like the orchestral stinger. I like kind of the late era Beatles kind of vibe that it has going on. It's a great song. It's just a really fun James Bond song, like early on. Yeah, it's a little lightweight. I think. Yeah, that's that was kind my of the that was my I, qualm with it. That's kind of the reason so. I, I just I was okay with like letting that one go. And I think I think Carly Simon's uh, was better. I think yeah. I think you made it to, uh, to to switch it for nobody does it better was a, a stronger choice. Okay. So is there anyone that you can think of that uh, you're surprised has never done a James Bond theme, or that you would like to see do one? Ooh, hmm. Jeez, yeah, I really don't know. I really. You put me on the spot here. I can't think of one. <laughs> Libby, do you have an answer for this, though? I'm just kind of surprised that Elvis Costello has never done one because he's super British. So I'm just really, really surprised that we never got an Elvis Costello. Like mid-80s, Elvis Costello, snarky as fuck, uh, James Bond theme. And, you know, once again, like we got Elvis Costello in an Austin Powers movie before we got him into a James Bond movie. I know. So, oh, incidentally, man. the spy who shanked me. Yeah, same movie. Good soundtrack. Huh. That is a good soundtrack. We should Imagine we should that. do that one sometime. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna punt and say I can't I honestly can't think of one right now, so I'm embarrassed that I can't do this. No, that's fine. Um so our number one. Drum roll please. The number one James Bond theme in all of James Bond theme history is KD Lang's Surrender from Tomorrow Never Dies. What? Yes. Here's that, that can't be right. No. Here's the thing. That was originally slated to be the theme for Tomorrow Never Dies. It was written by David Arnold. They had it all set. And then for some fucking reason, they decided to put Cheryl Crow's Tomorrow Never Dies instead. So it was relegated to the end nice theme. Yes. And it was originally called Tomorrow Never Dies. And then they, they wrote it for, they wrote another one, a shitty one for Cheryl Crow. And the and thing that I hate about that, that I've harped on before, is that that song, Surrender, actually uses sort of the orchestral score of the, or it's, it's incorporated into the orchestral score of the rest of the movie. Surrender shows up in the movie more times than Tomorrow Never Dies does, and I hate that. Yes, because it's, it's David Arnold. It's, he's there. Everything about this is classic James Bond updated for the modern era. You've got that big, bold uh, opening, those sleazy horns. And there is nobody who has a more beautiful voice than K.D. Lang. It is chilling. It is silky. And she 
never fakes you out. And this is this is my problem with singers like Adele is she's I don't really feel like she has the voice that KD Lang has. She's trying to do that like classic jazz singer thing and it to me she just doesn't have it. But KD Lang's voice is perfect. It is it's rich and it's full-throated. It's vintage without feeling like a knockoff. I love it. She never hits a sour note in there. Every single note is perfect. Yeah, it's and it's, it's I'm not familiar enough with Katie Lang as a singer, so but so I always kind of felt like it was kind of a left left field choice to bring her in to do that, but it is a she does it so perfectly and so well. You kind of don't question it. And yeah. I also love how just completely luxurious the score is on that song. It's just like you want to take a bath in it. Oh, so yes. Yes, it is. It, it's really it's one of one of the, the biggest shames of the, the series. You just you can't believe that, that was relegated to when people are putting on their coats to leave. And it's. But it was it was 1997. We can't have nice things. We really should just be grateful they didn't give it to the wallflowers. Oh man, that's <laughs> I, I even like the wallflowers, but yeah, that would have been a terrible choice. <laughs> Oasis could probably do a really terrible Bond theme. I say we give it to them. <laughs> There's still time. There, there is indeed. But no, so um, so that those those are my feelings on surrender. The minute I heard that song, I was just. I was just completely taken by it. It just, and I, I actually hadn't listened to it in a long time. I'm putting it on to listen for this. You just, you get chills. Just yeah, her voice yeah. is so powerful. And now I need to bring up something that may be apocryphal. It may not even be true, but I feel like I've read this before at some point where I think I told you about this on Twitter a few months ago. I remember having the CD-ROM as a kid uh, that was just like nothing but movie reviews from the last like 50 years. And <laughs> it had like, it had sort of a, a like basically like a Wikipedia style stub for tomorrow never dies because this was 1997 and it just hadn't come out yet. But I remember it having like a, a trivia note on it where it said Metallica was slated to do the theme song for that movie. Oh my and God. Thank the Lord for small favors. That never happened. <laughs> oh my God. That's, I want to imagine that somewhere in a vault, is a Metallica song for 1997's Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> and it's like, like Lost There with Rosie Vela's second album and the demo tapes for the second arrangement. <laughs> it's like, it's buried in Paisley Park somewhere. I don't know why Prince has it, but that's where it is. It's underneath <laughs> all those E.T. cartridges and Ernest Klein is like dug it up and is masturbating with it. Yeah, which and that might be why I cannot find any proof of it on the internet because Ernest Klein wants to keep it all to himself. But I have a distinct memory of reading this on the CD-ROM as a kid that Metallica was doing the theme song for Tomorrow Never Dies, and then the movie came out and they didn't do it, and I was so confused. <laughs> but then they did the theme song for uh, Mission Impossible Two, and that's literally the worst song ever. So let's just leave it there. Okay. Well, now I feel like we have to do Mission Impossible 2 on OST Party. Someday. Maybe, maybe, maybe the... that was the theme. Maybe, and they just like, reworked it. it. Oh, God. We're going to solve this mystery. 
We found the yes. scary Jack Skellington that I looked for for my whole childhood, and now we're gonna find uh, we're gonna find Metallica's theme for Tomorrow Never Dies. Metallica's Lost Tomorrow Never Dies. If anybody out there remembers that, like I do, please let me know because I really feel like I'm going crazy with this one. <laughs> like I had I had proof at some point, but that CD-ROM is lost to the four winds, and I just don't know anymore. But I have that distinct memory that I saw that and read that. It's out there. I know. Wow. The truth um, is out there. That's right, people. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that's our James Bond top 10. What do you think, sirs? Yes, sirs. Um, those are definitely just subjective based on Libby and I's personal preferences. So uh, if you would like, please let us know what your top 10 James Bond songs are or the ones you think are the absolute worst. Um, hit, send those to us at OST Party on Twitter or uh, OST part, at OST Party Pod at gmail.com. Uh, email those to us. We will definitely read those. Um, this is going to be an interesting one to figure out how to poll. We'll figure it know. out. Um, and we could, we'll talk about that later and cut sure. all this stuff out. Yeah. And sure. by all means, tell us the names of the people who broke your hearts after seeing a James Bond film. We'd love to know. <laughs> absolutely yes <laughs> show us on the james bond where they touched you <laughs> so libby uh what's next for us on the ost party what are we doing next time we are doing 1989's earth girls are easy it is the 30th anniversary of this movie i am so excited i love this movie i love this soundtrack i love gina davis and who doesn't love jeff goldblum oh my god so, and our old friend Jim Carrey shows up in this one, too. Oh, yeah. Early Jim Carrey. That's yes. going to be fun. <laughs> no, this is no, I like Earth Girls Are Easy. It's going to be a fun one. I, this I'm is a great, enjoy it. This is a great film. So, and a great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, we will see you all next time on the OST Party. Uh, so for the OST Party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. One life for yourself and one for your dreams.